So the first thing I want to say is that uh, Piketty is presenting us with a theory of historical change. Uh, and in that sense, he is directly in the same vein as Karl Marx or Tocqueville or Adam Smith. Um, a theory of economics is always a theory of historical change because, you know, um, what is the, the shape of the playing field and how interests play out and decision play out and conflicts get resolved. Um, so he has this sort of worldwide theory of historical change. And his theory of historical change is that inequality is the, um, I, I, I hate to say natural, but uh, is the given condition of society. So societies are unequal. They are um, divided into those who have more assets, productive or unproductive, and those who do not have as many assets. And the shape of these inequalities vary across time and space, but they're always there. That's uh, his first uh, theoretical frame, overall frame. And then what happens is the ownership of assets is also political power. And he's very specific about that. The ownership of assets translating into political power. Those who have more assets have more power and their decisions carry more weight in society. And there are, there are, uh, he, he goes through examples where this is not entirely the case or there are modes and variations, for instance, in India of that. Um, and then he gets to the ideology part. Every uh, society which has, you know, uh, differential distribution of assets and therefore of political power has to justify that state of uh, affair and has to produce justifications and rationalizations to maintain that unequal distribution. And that's the ideology part. Um, so his concept of ideology here is not Marxist, I would say, where yeah. there's a direct translation of the, the class interests into representations. Base and superstructure and, kind of thing. Right? Yes. Yeah. We, we, we know all that. We've been through that. So, so he's, he's more of a Tocquevillian type It almost of sounds like Rousseau's uh, second discourse in the origin of inequality in, in, in a little bit, right? Like in, in terms of political choice – being um, the origin of political inequality, but natural differences uh, are, are separate. And, um, you know, property and the decisions that lead to private property are the origin of, of the kind of violence. I, it doesn't go into that. Okay. Like, it doesn't go as far back because yeah. he doesn't want to engage in these um, philosophical debates. Mm. He wants to engage on a different terrain, which is inequalities exist. Their origins are what they are. Uh, and they're way back in the depth of time, and we cannot touch that. Uh, what's, uh, he really starts in the Middle Ages. It doesn't uh, really mention the Roman Empire uh, or, or, you know, the older um, forms of social organizations, say, in Africa or in Asia, for, for that matter. But he... Um, he takes a long durée approach to this, so uh, long durée, long duration, which is very uh, uh, congruent. I would say, you know, like it shows that he's 
from the is more Ecole des Annales, so Brodel and people like that who see the 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 very long and drawn out process by which society changes and you know different temporalities. So there are, the stuff at the surface seems to go very fast, but underneath the structures of ownership and power remain or get transformed at a slower pace. Um, and that's very Tocquevillian. So, you know, Tocqueville, when he discusses the French Revolution and the old regime, l'ancien régime et la révolution, uh, the old regime and the revolution. Yes, he, he has this um, almost empirical uh, approach to the revolution where the, all the structures of the modern state were burst by absolutism and then get repurposed and retooled uh, after the bourgeois revolution. Uh, and so trying to find out in these old structures what is kept and what is discarded uh, is, is, this, is kind of a, the approach that PKT has here. Um, the upshot of this is since the justifications and rationalizations for inequality change over time because the nature and structure of inequalities change over time, they're not fixed. We can change them. Uh, we can make the decision, the political decision to change the state of affairs and the state of play. Uh, they're not fixed categories. There is nothing natural about having billionaires and uh, yeah. that, that's, that's what it comes down to really is that, uh, it, it's almost a call to action that everything's in our hands. We, we have the power to change this, uh, because nothing in history lasts. Uh, and so that's an interesting frame, especially because I was reading at the same time as a sort of appetizer, um, amuse-bouche, sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I was reading, uh, Branko Milanovic's new book. Uh, capitalism alone, which is uh, not what what it sounds that it is. Uh, and it's a beautiful book and it's very well written and it has uh, uh, very uh, profound insights into our conditions, uh, into our condition. And, and Branko seems to, so Branko Milanovic, sorry, seems to uh, suggest that, you know, it's very hard to imagine anything beyond capitalism because capitalism as it is, fulfills a lot of our needs and a lot of our passions and makes us, uh, and we're uniquely trained to uh, bask in, in the wonders of the market and the commodification of everything. And, and it, it sort of appeals to something very deep in us. Uh, and and it's, it, he, he is very uh, downcast about this, by the way. Uh, and yeah. so Piketty, so yeah, so so it's it's sort of a uh, it's sort of an interesting contrast, but also uh, what is the space of the possible within these? Uh, if if inequality and the justification for inequality, the ideology, the the ideological justification for inequality is something that can change over time, either uh, on its own or through um, struggle and organized struggle, then the space of the possible is probably larger, uh, at least to Piketty, than uh, to Branko Milanovic. And, and this is an interesting... I, I, I can't wait for these two to sit down and have a long discussion about this because it's, it's on the level of philosophy and what it means to be a human living in society. Mm. 
Which is the real topics of economics. Because when you think Bronco, Bronco liked the book very much and in, in his review that I read at least. Um, yeah. And so I mean, the disagreement doesn't seem to, he's not questioning the data, you know, <laughs> maybe a little no. method perhaps, but uh, it seems like there's a lot of agreement. Yes. Um, but Piketty, he, he, has a, he has an agenda uh, and he has a program and he has practical proposals. Uh, are they practical? I don't know. But he has proposals and they're very detailed. And uh, the last part of the book is, you know, uh, in, the, in the great fashion of economic literature, it's full of prescriptions. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, policy, you know, like the, the, the style of economics, of uh, at least American academic economics is, you describe a problem and all its, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, various dimensions and models and all that. And then at the end, you propose a policy. Uh, and it's sort of a, a, a an exercise that he kind of plays here and it trolls a little bit because it's 300 pages, you know. Uh, and <laughs> the, the policy proposals are 300 pages? Uh, 250. But like Excellent. there's a lot of discussion about the, I mean. The book within the book. <laughs> And this is four or five books together. I mean, there's enough material there. Um, but so I like this this thing where he's almost utopian, even though the, the, the word is maybe not fortunate. It's a little bit unfortunate. I'm sorry. Um, but there is something about the practical proposals about overcoming capitalism. He straight up talks about overcoming capitalism or in French, dépassement. Dépasser. So, so it's overtaking. It's like mm-hmm. dépasser. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's what you do when you're in a car you pass and you a go car. beyond. Yeah. Yes. So you pass a car. So overtake. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it, to me, it sounded, you know, like the German Aufhebung. Uh, and, and that's like a very Hegelian uh, type of ter- term. So, you know, who knows? Uh, <laughs> the, the, so he's, he's, he really has a systematic, um, set of proposals that are derived from all the historical examples right. that he gives beforehand um, to change the course and the trajectory of inequality in our society. Uh, because he says there are, history is in fact contingent and the trajectories, he called them trajectoire, the trajectories of various countries were not um, pre-written or predetermined. Uh, and, and there's a lot of... Uh, uh, haphazard and, you know, so, sort of ad hoc decisions that led to, uh, and hysteresis that led to uh, particular outcomes and situations today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, this is an anti, this is anti-Marxian, by the way. You right, know, I thought his- so. By the way, Manu, Ryan uh, won't talk if you and I don't <laughs> let him because we're the... We're quick on the uh, draw. Sorry, Ryan. Sorry. No, no. I so I just bef- before we move on from the ideology question, I just I just wanted to touch briefly on how this uh, how how Piketty's conception of ideology differs from Gramsci, because I hear about his his uh, notion there, and it sounds v- very similar to Gramsci, but like not quite. You know, Gramsci, of course, comes. He's from the like the communist tradition, and it's all about how you know, the, the, in a capitalist system, you know, ruling class ideology, uh, comes, you know, from, from like, like trying to find some moral framework, which, which justifies, you know, a tiny minority owning all the assets. And, you know, that trickles down to the rest of, of society through the process of, you know, cultural hegemony, as he says. Um, and it's like quite complicated in the way that he sets up 
Mm. Um, but so it sounds to me like like Piketty, uh, P- Piketty, uh, excuse, uh, Mr. Piketty, uh, <laughs> Ryan, how dare you? <laughs> he, uh, old, old man Piketty's boy. Um, he he just has like a very a very like sort of just rough and ready. It's like yeah, there's inequality, and then people dream up bullshit theories in every society, and like they're all different. But who cares? Because they're all bullshit, right? <laughs> but is that is that roughly accurate? I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but they're, <laughs> they're, he calls them social and historical constructs, which is a very polite way to say, you know, well, you have to have something, but uh, they're constructs, yeah. um, which, you know, self-reflexively, and, and I'm so happy you bring up Gramsci, but like, so self-reflexively, it makes sense that since, you know, everybody's bringing up uh, justifications to the table for inequality, why don't I bring up something myself? Mm, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 inject that into the discussion. And I think you know a lot of the reactions in France, at least, were a lot of uh, conservatives were quite angered about how dare you um, question the value of private property, uh, which is <laughs> which is sort of plays right into what he's saying that. Uh, it's 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 a sort of a, whenever it becomes a religious or naturalized thing, it's, you know, it's ideological, and there's no reason why private property should be this absolute and sacred thing. But when, um, it, when it comes to, oh, go ahead, man. Sorry. Uh, I was just saying, like, I, 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 you know, I'm reading this thing in French, so I'm sort of like, yeah, 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 this is France, you know, like, yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, we discuss that all the time, but mm. this mm. is. Almost like science fiction to a lot of Americans. <laughs> right, right. To talk about I mean, it even. He's going to get, uh, this is going to be extremely, uh, I mean, if you think that the the, the outcry against uh, capital in the 21st century was, you know, bad, like this is going to be even worse because he's sort of going for the throat here. Um, nothing is- natural <laughs> in private. I mean, you know. Well, the, the French have a history of going for the throat. Sorry, that was an easy one. But but no, no, and you know, Manu, you mentioned that utopian, and and it seems in as you were saying the anti-Marxist approach. Um, is it something where this is data and a narrative that's kind of supporting um, the utopian socialists a bit against Marx's critiques that that you need class struggle, you need to have the material conditions um, to change first? Although Marx also himself wrote that theory itself becomes a material force when it seizes the masses. So so maybe it's 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 uh, sometimes Marx himself is is reduced to a caricature. But what what do you it's, think? It's like like yes. The theory of the weapon of the weapon of theory. Uh, what do I think? Marx has said, says so many things that at times are con- contradictory. And then, you know, is there an epistemological rupture between the 48 manuscripts and Das Kapital? And I mean, sure. I, my, my, my experience, uh, for what it's worth, um, is, is that the, Adhesion to historical materialism or, or dialectical materialism, sorry, um, is, is a matter of adhesion. So it's a matter of um, you cannot become part of the class struggle if you do not agree with the class struggle and with the construct that makes uh, the class struggle a rational thing to do. 
so there's there's a leap of faith almost, although I'm loath to use that word. Um, the the I would say that, and I'm not the one to settle that that discussion, but I would say that Marx uh, is very instrumental in the examples he uses and in his rhetoric because he has a very specific uh, goal in mind, which is to build the international party of the workers uh, in the 19th century. So there is you. You also have to read Marx with that level of uh, dissimulation almost, uh, and almost sometimes bad faith, because there is a higher purpose in there. Piketty plays the detached scientist. Mm. Not detached, but um, the economists, you know, uh, it's in their habitus to have the God view of things. Mm. Uh, So I, I see it like, I call it like I see it. Type of thing, even though Piketty, like, is saying stuff that is, you know, uh, fairly uh, radical uh, in our context. The data but speaks to me, and I channel it like a diviner. I am, the, I am, <laughs> I am the divine instrument through which the data flows, and the I, I, I am, I'm the vehicle. Like, this yes. is a twelve hundred, this is a twelve hundred pages books right. that covers all of history all over the world about inequality. Okay. So, so he's the vehicle of, uh, higher ideas. It's a humble project. And, 